Trump derangement syndrome is a luxury few can afford. An existential crisis hits the ruling class. I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. Abraham Lincoln. We live in a time where there are more people connected than ever before. And there are more people alive than ever before. Every day, each side of this cold civil war broadcasts non-stop agitprop against the other side. It's Orwell's two minutes of hate, except it's 24-7. Goldstein was delivering his usual venomous attack upon the doctrines of the party, an attack so exaggerated and perverse, that a child should have been able to see through it. And yet just plausible enough to fill one with an alarmed feeling that other people, less level-headed than oneself, might be taken in by it. He was abusing Big Brother, he was denouncing the dictatorship of the party, he was demanding the immediate conclusion of peace with Eurasia. He was advocating freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, freedom of thought. He was crying hysterically that the revolution had been betrayed, and all this in rapid polysyllabic speech, which was a sort of parody of the habitual style of the orders of the party. And even contained newspeak words, more newspeak words, indeed, than any party member would normally use in real life. And all the while, lest one should be in any doubt as to the reality which Goldstein's specious claptrap covered. Behind his head on the telescreen there marched the endless columns of the Eurasian army. Row after row of solid-looking men with expressionless Asiatic faces, who swam up to the surface of the screen and vanished, to be replaced by others exactly similar. The dull rhythmic tramp of the soldiers' boots formed the background, to Goldstein's bleeding voice. Before the hate had proceeded for thirty seconds, uncontrollable exclamations of rage were breaking out from half the people in the room. The self-satisfied sheep-like face on the screen, and the terrifying power of the Eurasian army behind it, were too much to be borne. Besides, the sight or even the thought of Goldstein produced fear and anger automatically. He was an object of hatred more constant than either Eurasia or East Asia, since when Oceania was at war with one of these powers, it was generally at peace with the other. But what was strange was that although Goldstein was hated and despised by everybody, although every day and a thousand times a day, on platforms, on the telescreen, in newspapers, in books, his theories were refuted, smashed, ridiculed, held up to the general gaze for the pitiful rubbish that they were, in spite of all this, his influence never seemed to grow less. The problem is that these are not two equal sides. 65% of Twitter users are Democrats. The platform increased by 21% after Trump was banned. The media listens to Twitter. The Democrats listen to the media. Together, they have built an insular feedback loop that is increasingly out of touch with most Americans outside of it. Because so many people are connected, we've seen a steady stream of uprisings against the government in recent years, not just in the United States, but worldwide. Here in America, it began after the crash of 2008 with Occupy Wall Street. Then came the Tea Party. Then came the Capitol breaches in Wisconsin and Michigan. Then came Black Lives Matter. Then came the Democratic primary protests against Hillary Clinton. Then came the largest protests in American history against a sitting president. Then came the summer of 2020. Then came January 6th. Only one of these uprisings was treated as a dangerous threat against the government. It wouldn't be the first time an act of protest against a government handed absolute power to that government. Burning of the Reichstag building in Berlin on the night of February 27, 1933, a key event in the establishment of the Nazi dictatorship, 
and widely believed to have been contrived by the newly formed Nazi government itself to turn public opinion against its opponents and to assume emergency powers. In the wake of January 6th, our government has gone to war against its own citizens, behaving as though they are the ones waging war. They seem to genuinely believe that the Trump movement is a second confederacy and that they're trying to overthrow the government to turn it into a white nationalist empire that brings back slavery. Liz Cheney compared this moment to the Civil War. They might want to dust off their history books and look at what happens when an insulated aristocracy fends off uprisings by the peasants. It doesn't usually go so well. They've called worried parents domestic extremists. They've smeared anyone who showed up in D.C. on that day as white supremacists. They built a green zone-like fence around the Capitol and kept it there for months as an act of intimidation. Just a decade before, Democratic activists were pounding on doors of their state capitol in Wisconsin shouting, Whose house? Our house. I have no strong view on that, whether that's a protest, an insurrection, or a riot. What I do have a strong view on is you can't treat something as a desecration of a sacred space when American democracy treats people so appallingly, when the American Republic doesn't respect the people that it was founded to serve. Oh, our democracy, that's where we do all of our corruption from. This is the capital. This is where we receive all of our lobbying money. Pelosi's over there, possibly, allegedly, giving information to Paul Pelosi so he can invest better. How dare you desecrate? You came in here in a silly hat, you bastard. Oh, oh. You think that democracy's a front just so that we can grant business favors to lobbyists and to the people that fund our money? That Capitol building was there for a surprise birthday party and you ruined it. You're just like your father. Those who control our government, mainstream media and the big tech companies see those who voted for or support Donald Trump as a clear and present danger to their power. They seem to believe that they at the very top can go to war with the majority, and it's somehow going to work out well for them. They seem unwilling to do the one thing they would need to do to stop Trump, offer the working class something better. David Serrata's satirical tweet says, how today's media would cover the French Revolution, corporate media, ungrateful peasants reject Antoinette's cake offer, Brooklyn savvy media bros, Online leftists throw a tantrum about Antoinette's great cake initiative. Vox affiliates, Antoinette's generous cake plan, explained. It's odd to be living through something that has happened so many times before. Three little words keep otherwise reasonable people from all political spectrums from accurately reading this moment. Trump derangement syndrome. TDS mainly affects the ruling class. They just can't believe they swapped... A classy, sophisticated Harvard Law graduate like Obama, for a guy like Trump who is crass and offensive, has a toilet made out of gold, eats at McDonald's and says whatever he wants to say. Trump is the living embodiment of everything the progressive aristocracy hates about America, a rich white man who doesn't follow the rules. What drives TDS is that Trump is mostly indestructible. He has no shame. After nonstop attacks by the media, two impeachments, the Mueller investigation, the excess Hollywood tape, who but Trump could have gotten COVID in his 70s, survived it without a vaccine, then went on to hold five rallies a day in the run-up to the 2020 election. 
No wonder they see him as an omnipotent force they have to rally the troops to defeat. But that indestructibility makes him the hero of the working class our government has all but abandoned. Trump is their battering ram. He's what Victor Davis Hansen called necessary chemotherapy. It gets the dirty job done because his support hasn't diminished. Even after he's been kicked off Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, if anything, he's become more popular. Why? Because the left has become crazier. Surely this would have dawned on one of them by now, but it hasn't. Those who write brilliantly here on Substack to mount some kind of offense against the neo-Marxist takeover of our government almost always stop at the Trump line. They just won't cross it, like the baseball players in Field of Dreams. They know that if they cross that line, their careers are over. They've even written pieces urging desperate Americans not to flee to Trump just because they hate the woke. As if many out there struggling to get through the day are going to find their substacks, read them, and conclude, yeah, you're right. I guess I'll just suffer through the rest of my life because orange man bad. Tonight we got the right guy to break down where we are. Let's bring in Victor Davis Hanson. He's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. Victor, we immediately thought of you as the right guy to talk about when you see the way the left is talking about who we are as a nation, who their political opponents are, and now what they're willing to do about it. It's scary for people. How do, can we walk back from this type of precipice? Yeah, I think we can, but remember they, the left projects. So if Christopher Steele draws on sources like Dushinko and Dolan, a Clinton operative, they draw on Russian sources to smear Donald Trump, and then they call it Trump collusion. Mm -hmm. So they're talking nonstop about civil war. They really are. And they do things that are revolutionary. I mean, nobody on the right said, let's junk the, the 233-year-old electoral college, the 180-year-old filibuster, the 150-year-old nine-person Supreme Court. Nobody said, let's bring in uh, two more states and end the idea for 60 years of a 50-state union. And then when you look what they've actually done, they failed at that, but nobody in the Republican Party ever tore up the State of the Union address on national mm. TV like Nancy Pelosi. No Speaker of the House, not Newt Gingrich, not anybody else, Paul Ryan, they never said, you can't to the minority party, you can't have these people on committees. That was a revolutionary thing to do in the House. Uh, nobody ever goes outside the homes of Justice Kagan, thank God, or Justice Sotomayor. There's not right-wing assassins that show up out there. And when you look at the literature that's coming out, if you look at the New Republic or the nation, these left-wing venues, all you hear is blue exit and it's time for succession, and we can't live with each other. Or if you read you know, Time Magazine, that classic article by Molly Ball in February of 2021, where she gushed, she was giddy, outlining what she called was a conspiracy to change radically the voting laws, to inject four or $500 million to alter the way we voted for, for centuries, so that 70% of the votes would not be cast on election day even as the rejection rate would decline by a magnitude of seven or eight of the individual ballots. So these are revolutionary things they're doing. And the other thing is they never show any data. They, it's easy to say Trump is a fascist or Trump did this or these people are revolutionaries or they want a civil war. But did Donald Trump ever try to weaponize the, the, the IRS in Lois Lerna fashion? Did he tr take the FBI and use it to go after Joe Biden's residence when uh, he was president? Did they go into the DOJ and have a, this collusion hoax? 
Did any of these people who worked for Trump lie four times to a federal investigator like the FBI director, Andrew McCabe? So they are the revolutionaries and they project it on to others. And what's the whole purpose of this, Pete? The whole purpose is on these agenda issues, they're behind. And Joe Biden has an anemic rating and they feel that if they can gin up a January 6th crisis, sort of a Reichstag fire, and they did it, in, remember, in 2021 when they mm -hmm. uh, had Bob wire and 30,000 troops in Washington, D.C., and the greatest weaponization since the Civil War, or they can take the raid and just dribble things out. One, one week, it'll be nuclear secrets. The next, Trump improperly took out momentos. The next, he was trying to get information on his enemies. And then the media goes to town with a bombshell, walls are closing yeah. in. And otherwise, we don't, we don't, we're not going to look at the issues. Inflation, the border, energy prices, crime, Afghanistan, foreign policy. Instead, it's always react to allegations that you're insurrectionists and as keep, they leak to the media. And keep the For many Americans, Trump is their last best hope to fight for the fundamental principles of this country, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not to mention the basics, law and order, freedom of speech, and love of country. These Americans can't afford Trump derangement syndrome. That is why Liz Cheney lost by 30 points in Wyoming. Any politician who takes on the left will do very well with the American public. The problem is they won't. Not Liz Cheney or any of the never-Trump Republicans and certainly no Democrat. Instead, in order to defeat Trump, they have become a kind of doomsday cult. Every single day, it's the end of the world, at least on Twitter, which fills up the mainstream media's gas tank for an all-day joyride of apocalyptic fear porn. No person with TDS can be trusted to truly assess the moment we're living through. Unless they take the broad view, their essays about this moment will fall short. TDS creates a blind spot for journalists, comedians, filmmakers, and everyone else. Says Barton Swaim, writing in the Wall Street Journal, quote, On the subject of Donald Trump, with each lament the inability of some otherwise serious people, on the left and the right, to talk about the 45th president in anything but the language of civilized catastrophe. Why is Mr. Hankins, the author of a 700-page book on virtuous political leadership, not similarly undone by Mr. Trump? because his profession has prepared him to take the long view. I think of it as a historian, he says. Many people don't think deeply about what it would be like to live in a different time. They have no sense of comparison. Thinking long about history, you get a much broader view of human life. History is a road to sanity. It's not good enough for Bill Maher to broadcast his hysteria over Trump, while also criticizing what has become of the left. He offers no solution just leaves powerless Americans twisting in the wind. We're looking at a tweet from Reality's Last Stand. Colin Wright has been suspended from Twitter for posting the cartoon attached to the article below. He's being asked to delete it and admit to violating Twitter's rules against hate speech. This is absurd. The picture shows a trolley car that says people with gender dysphoria and it shows somebody pulling the lever to derail the car, uh, and then it shows people lying on the tracks that say, biological reality, women's rights, child safety, LGBT rights, common sense. And the title of the piece, Trans Activism and the Road Not Taken. Sam Harris's recent appearance on Trigonometry is an example of someone whose hysteria around Trump proves that there was nothing they would not do to keep Trump out of power. For all of their talk about democracy itself, 
They seem perfectly willing to subvert it where Trump is concerned. Ben Shapiro was quick to point out how Harris is the smoking gun that proves our government, our media, and our DOJ will blur the ethical lines of a supposedly blind justice system, a supposedly objective media, and a supposedly democratic country. This is why this is so telltale, because Sam is is not a wild leftist. Sam is not somebody who is a radically left person. Sam tends to be left of center on a lot of issues, but he's not somebody who I would characterize as like a woke radical leftist or something. That's not, he, he actually is not. So he was on a podcast called Trigonometry, and he made some comments that I think totally throw gasoline on the flaming, raging fire of election denial and on the, on the raging fire that's going on in terms of polarization in the country. The belief that there are, in fact, people who are willing to create conspiracies in order to deny the proper results of an election or even willing to subvert elections entirely. Now, Sam tried to walk this back yesterday a little bit on Twitter. I don't think he did a very good job of it. But these comments went viral for a reason, because they support the idea that so many people have about people on the left. That people on the left, if they had the chance, would steal an election from Donald Trump. So here is Sam Harris a couple of days ago on Trigonometry. Again, this went totally viral yesterday. I mean, Hunter Biden, at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had, had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared. Right. It's like it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden. Right. It's not it's like it's not Joe Biden. But even if Joe, like even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is like if you if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and, and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else. Right. Or China. It is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. It's like it's like it's like a firefly to the sun, right? I mean, like there's just it doesn't even it doesn't even stack up against Trump University, right? Trump University as a story is worse than anything that could be in in Hunter Biden's laptop, in my view, right? Now that's not that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the you know the New York Post's. Twitter account like that. That's a, just a conspiracy. That's a left wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely. It was absolutely right. But I think it was warranted. Right. And I'm and again, it's a coin toss as to whether or not Sam, I'm sorry, that particular piece. I'm, I'm is, really yeah. sorry. I, I was the one that said we should move yeah, yeah. on. But you've just oh, said yeah. something I really struggle with, there, which is the, you kid, support. The, kid, the kids in the basement. You no, no, <laughs> the kids in the basement. I'm interested yeah. in democracy. You're saying you are content with a left-wing conspiracy to prevent somebody being democratically re-elected as president. Well, no, I'm, I'm content. Well, so it's, but the thing is, it's just not left-wing, right? So Liz Cheney is not left-wing, right? Liz Cheney is doing everything in her power. You're content with to prevent somebody no, being democratically it's not elected. A, no, but there's nothing, conspiracy, it's not, it, it was a conspiracy out in the open. It does, but it doesn't matter if it was, a, it doesn't matter what part's conspiracy, what part's out in the open. I mean, I think it's like, if people get together and talk and talk about what should we do with, about this phenomenon, you know, if, if it's like if there, if there was an asteroid hurtling toward Earth and and we got in a room together with all of our friends and had a conversation about what we could do to deflect its course. Right. Is that a conspiracy? I mean, that, that's an amazing statement there from Sam Harris. So he openly says, OK, so there are people who are complaining that the Hunter Biden laptop story was suppressed by the media. Right. So he's not even talking right now about election fraud. He's talking about what sort of information could and should be suppressed in order to effectuate an election win for Joe Biden. And he even says, what if on that laptop, 
had been the stuff that a lot of right-wingers suspect about Joe Biden, which is that he was getting direct kickbacks from Hunter Biden for corrupt activities in Ukraine and China, right? Because that, that is the, the gravest accusation on the laptop. Forget about Hunter Biden smoking crack off, off hookers' asses and all the rest. The stuff that people really are concerned about with regard to Joe Biden is not the fact that Hunter Biden is a drug-addicted derelict and a horrible person. The thing that people are really concerned about in terms of the presidency is, was Hunter Biden traveling overseas to China, receiving massive amounts of money from the Chinese government, and then kicking back 10% to the big guy, the big guy being Joe, right? That would actually be really troubling because that would be significantly worse than anything that was even proved about Donald Trump, right? Like way worse. That, that was the actual accusation about Trump. The accusation about Trump was that Trump was in thrall to the Russians, that Trump had, had basically made a trade with the Russians that they would subvert the election. And in return, he would be really, really nice to them because if they did that, then they would also green light the Trump Hotel in Moscow. Or that he had a deal with Deutsche Bank, some financial deal that would allow some sort of kickback where he was being enriched personally by the Russians in order to effectuate different American policy toward Russia. Right? That was the accusation about Trump. It was never proved. Nothing of that kind was ever really even alleged by the Mueller report. Right? All of it ended up being bullcrap. But what he's saying, what, what Sam Harris is saying is even if that stuff were true about Joe Biden and China or Joe Biden and Ukraine, if it turned out that Joe Biden is everything we said Donald Trump was but could never prove, that still would not justify allowing information to flow freely to the American people. It would not allow people to see that information because it's so important to stop Trump, right? Trump is so bad. He's an asteroid hurtling toward Earth that it doesn't matter what you have to do to stop that asteroid. It doesn't matter if you call it a conspiracy, not a conspiracy. None of that matters. The idea here is that you have to mold the minds of the American people to prevent Donald Trump from being president of the United States. Harris attempted to explain himself, but he only dug himself in deeper. That's because if you have TDS, it's impossible to escape the affliction unless you do the one thing required to end the madness. Humanize Trump. We're looking at a tweet from Tim Pool that says to Sam Harris, you're basically saying the exact same thing. You're a zealot willing to do research and too arrogant to change. To Harris's tweet that says, there is a podcast clip circulating that seems to be confusing many people about my views on Trump, which is understandable because I wasn't speaking very clearly. It seemed funny at first, but with Trump polling so high and directly influencing many wins in the primary, not to mention the unequivocal beatdown of Liz Cheney, they're getting ready for war against their own citizens. Here is a tweet from General Michael Hayden, Responding to Edward Luce, who says, I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world over my career. I've never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous, and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing close. And Hayden says, I agree, and I was the CIA director. Who knew even the former director of the CIA was this fragile? Perhaps he ought to stop watching so much MSNBC and CNN until such time as he can get a grip on reality. Not to mention what other countries must think of an administration that afraid of its own citizens. Rick Wilson and James Carville are supposed to be sharp political strategists, yet they continue to insist all Trump supporters are stupid or racist. From a political standpoint, that's just pure lunacy. They might be able to convince Zoomers and wealthy white women who spend too much time on social media that this is the biggest problem facing Americans. But the reality is that Americans have practical problems that must be addressed, and not many people willing to address them. 
hysteria by any other name. Can those affected with TDS not see that most Americans have more pressing matters on their mind than existential angst? And not all those who voted for Trump do so because they have no other option now? Imagine, for instance, you're a white young male graduating high school in Ohio or Colorado. What kind of future will the Democrats offer you? Is there even a place for you in the left's America? You've been told you are an oppressor and that you must not even try to succeed because that means you benefit from white supremacy. How does an 18-year-old process that? Conversely, if you are a young black student graduating in Portland, Oregon, you'll be told your skin color oppresses you from birth. The only success you'll ever achieve is at the hands of programs designed around equity. You'll never get there on merit. The system is stacked against you. Imagine Coleman Hughes, one of the smartest thinkers out there, now being judged solely by the color of his skin rather than the content of his character. What do you imagine that does to his soul? He can wrestle with it to contemplate why this is happening and not allow it to impact him. But what about those who can't? What is a long game here anyway, to reintroduce oppression, to keep the traditional hierarchies intact? Or imagine you're an immigrant family that escaped a caste system in India to pursue the American dream with your children that you've pushed towards accelerated programs so they can be doctors or rocket scientists or escape the fate of their birth. Now imagine they're being told that none of that matters anymore. Everyone must arrive at the same place because that is how equity works. So forget all about that land of opportunity thing. Now it's about the land of equality of outcome or Marxism. Imagine you're a parent of five kids in a rural state or a big city. Imagine having to keep them home during lockdowns and school all five of them for over a year. Imagine how hard it was for just one of your kids to concentrate and learn, let alone five. They can't catch up now, they fell too far behind. Or you're a truck driver or a dishwasher or a waitress, and the price of gas is eating a hole in your budget. You're drowning in credit card debt with no real prospects to rise in your hometown because manufacturing has vanished. Then the government wants a big pat on the back for passing a bill called the Inflation Reduction Act, which has no hope of reducing inflation and is really a climate bill in disguise. Tax credits for electric cars, that's the answer. Or you're a white farmer who didn't see a dime of money from the government during COVID as your family's business swirled down the drain. The money was promised to black farmers to make up for past injustices, but now even that money isn't coming. What if you're a family in Chicago and every weekend gunfire whizzes past your window with one murder after another mere blocks from your home? What if you are too nervous about letting your kids out to play? What if you live in a border town and migrants are flooding in and you're worried about your own family's limited resources? The result of a special election in South Texas could shape the course of politics in the state of Texas for the upcoming midterms. A Republican won the election for an open U.S. House seat in a district that has not voted for a Republican in more than 100 years. Foxworth Blake Hansen takes a look at the potential political repercussions. Blake. Yeah, Heather and Steve, this is a new Quinnipiac poll out today found that the border is the most urgent issue for Texas voters among independents as well. What is still unclear is whether Republicans will be able to capitalize on it in November. The high-minded journalists and Twitter users look down their noses at Trump's America First candidates, but they're missing the story. They should be asking why Democrats don't have such a motivated grassroots movement that is attracting voters rather than alienating them. Most people don't care if Trump says offensive things or he sends the government into paroxysms of hysteria. They care that he is fighting against the people they fear and that he is fighting for the America they want. 
Four words on a red hat. Any Democrat or establishment Republican will have to find a message better than make America great again. You won't find many Americans out there right now who can argue that America has never been greater. We're missing the fundamentals we need to keep our American experiment intact. At the top of that list is American exceptionalism. Even if it is a grand illusion, it's a necessary one. It might be the invisible thread, fragile though it may be, that ties each one of us to the other. This country can't survive without it. We are the world's dreamers, an experiment in a people-run government. So why get in the people's way? They should be asking why they can't do what Trump does. Name one person in Washington who can stand there for upwards of two hours talking to Americans. Anyone? The pitch to the American people is going to have to be better than how Trump closes every one of his speeches. Quote, And it will only get stronger with each passing day. And with the help of all of you here tonight, and the millions of patriots all across our land, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. End quote. Please tell me, all of you who are committed to the idea that Trump is the greatest threat to democracy the world has ever known, how you're going to top that. What can you offer Americans that can lift them up from their despair, that can promise them a better life, that can give them hope to face a new day? Because if all you've got is Trump is bad, you're going to lose. Pushing an apocalyptic doomsday scenario every day will not solve the fundamental problem. The reason the threat level rises daily is because those in power are failing. Do they think Americans are too stupid to notice? As Victor Davis Hanson writes, quote, The war between blue and red and mass versus elite is really grounded in the reality that those who feel they were the deserved winners of globalization and who are the sole enlightened on matters of social, economic, political, and military power have no record of recent successes, but a long litany of utter failure. They have become furious that the rest of the country sees through these naked emperors. Note Merrick Garland's sanctimonious defense of the supposed professionalism of the Justice Department and FBI hierarchies. While even as he pontificated, they were in the very process of leaking and planting sensational nuclear secrets narratives to an obsequious media to justify the indefensible political fishing expedition at a former president's home and current electoral rival to Merrick Garland's boss. The masses increasingly view the elite's money, their zip codes, their degrees and certificates, and their titles, not just with indifference, but with the disdain they now have earned on their own merits. And that pushback has made millions of our worst and stupidest quite mad." End quote. Those who have abused their power against the people of this country by becoming authoritarians, waging war against our own citizens, or allowing social media oligarchs to police thought and speech might want to remember that America is a country of the people, by the people, and for the people. As Eisenhower once said, I'd like to believe that people in the long run are going to do more to promote peace than our governments. Indeed, I think people want peace so much that one of these days, governments had better get out of the way and let them have it. 
Since we don't have leaders like Eisenhower, this one will have to be up to us. Thank you for listening to my Substack, sashastone.substack.com. And remember, to thine own self, be true.